Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Matt Harmon, not Liz Loza. Uh, You'll never believe this, but Liz has decided to take an advanced scouting trip, uh, which is fitting for draft season. She's gone to advanced scout the location of the NFL draft. Liz is in, I can confirm, she's in Nashville right now. I doubt she's really like scouting out the stage area we're like okay this is where we'll be for the red carpet this is where we'll be for the live show this is where we tape in the podcast i think she's probably out on broadway uh eating hot chicken you know slamming back drinks by now i I tell you i I saw her actually leaving from work uh she ubered here smart smart movie she drove her car and then ubered from here so i saw her like 7 30 this morning when i was pulling up to go to the gym and she didn't even really want to talk to me man she was just ready to roll but anyway so it's just me Liz is there. She'll be back next week uh, where we're going to talk wide receivers. We talked about quarterbacks and tight ends last week. But today I am joined by the great Eric Edholm, newly rejoined, not newly employed, but newly rejoining Yahoo Sports as our NFL draft expert. Eric, welcome back to Yahoo Sports. And more importantly, welcome to our podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I mean, this is... uh... Probably the second best place I could be first would be with Liz eating hot chicken and listening to live music in Nashville. But this is a great substitute. So I'm happy to be here. Okay, well, we're we're starting off on a bit of a sour note there. I'm already <laughs> I'm already offended. Uh, everyone always spicy picks, note. <laughs> yeah, spicy note fitting with the Nashville hot chicken. Yeah, I'm all, everyone's always choosing Liz over me here at this company. So I mean, I get it. That's fine. I I, I understand. But Eric, you're going to help us actually break down the running back class today, which um, we'll get into my thoughts on the position as a whole, uh, which I think listeners of the podcast probably have a pretty good idea of how I'm going to lead off this discussion. But before we jump into that, do you just kind of want to give us a quick run through of what you're going to be doing now here at Yahoo Sports? Like, by the way, folks, Eric is joining the team, you know, like this past week. Uh, they're throwing you really right here, like right under the clock. And the draft is is like less than two weeks away now at this point. Yeah, no, no rest for the the weary here. But no, you know what? I mean, at my previous job at Pro Football Weekly, in between my uh, former stop at, at Yahoo Sports, I mean, I I do try to stay abreast of uh, of all the the draft goings on, but I, I am in catch up mode still as we uh, count down the top hundred prospects. I'm through number fifteen, uh, I believe, in the countdown there, and I just did a mock draft uh, on Thursday, so we're we're getting a lot of stuff out there. We're trying to you know, firm up the top of the draft, sort of figure out who's going where and all that stuff. But 
I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I'm excited to be back and, uh, you know, ready for, you know, April 21st or April 25th, I should say, and, and everything after that. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're doing mock drafts, then look, you're doing it right, because we all know that mock drafts are always very accurate. Uh, the draft is very <laughs> predictable and everything in between. But look, all right, before we jump into the running backs, I just want to hit a couple of quick NFL news items that happened that might have some fantasy implications. Uh, first off, Austin Safarian Jenkins signs with the Patriots. Look, Eric, anytime you and I know this, we've if we spend any time on football Twitter, um, yep. <laughs> anytime a, a tight end signs with the Patriots, especially now with Gronkowski having just retired, it is it's gonna it's gonna get the people uh, buzzing. Um, how do you feel that this is gonna impact the Patriots' offense, and 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 more importantly, do you see this kind of changing their draft plans? Yeah, I, w- I would make the championship joke here but the Patriots actually win championships no matter who's lined up or you know but uh, you know the thing with Safarian Jenkins is you know second round pick coming out there was a lot of promise about him had some off the field stuff and everybody's been kind of waiting for him to fulfill his promise I mean he's on his what fourth team now so we're gonna have to keep waiting a little bit I mean then again the Patriots have found ways to use players in the past that other teams haven't you know, he had he had that year a couple of years ago with the Jets where he had three or four touchdowns, had a couple called back. So there have been little hints of greatness, but consider me a little less than overwhelmed at this point. I don't I don't necessarily know that that he's your uh, your lockdown T.E. one uh, on, on week one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit more interesting than having, you know, Matt Lacoste as your starting right. tight end. So yep. it does bring some intrigue. I mean, yeah, Austin Safarian Jenkins, I think, to his credit, came back and did have a very nice season with the Jets after taking some time away from the game to get mm-hmm. right um, in terms of off the field and everything like that. So credit to him. And, you know, last year there was injuries with the Jaguars. But you're right. This is a player that's shown promise. Um, but I think what this says is it's going to give them some draft flexibility. The Patriots, by the way, have a ton of draft capital, uh, especially in the second and third round. So they will be players for a lot of these tight ends, wide receivers. In fact, NFL Network's Tom Paracello reported today, or Pelissero reported today that they had uh, in for visits A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and tight end Noah Fant uh, to New England to visit. And I mean, I think this really shows that we're going to see the Patriots attack the pass-catching position at a a bunch of different ways here in the first couple days of the draft. Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, even look back to last year, a lot of these guys ended up not making any impact on them at all, but they signed a bunch of receivers in free agency, you know, Jordan Matthews and these types of guys. And, and they've done it in the past, bringing a lot of veterans and, you know, kind of smash the mosquito with a mallet, you know, and, and just kill it with as many options as possible. So it wouldn't shock me if they draft multiple tight ends, if they draft multiple receivers, if they just create competition at those positions. And, and like you said, the flexibility of not having to reach for one, that's, that's a nice little layer of insurance going to the draft you pick 32nd you got two second rounders you got two third rounders that's a lot of ammo but you don't need to use it sort of uh wastefully if if you can get the right guy Eric, I legitimately forgot that Jordan Matthews uh, had a cup of coffee yeah. with the Patriots. I mean, Jordan Matthews is in that phase now where he's been back to the Eagles. He's with the 49ers yeah. now. So he's in that bopping around uh, portion of his career. But I forgot. <laughs> people, I mean, people, look, people were excited about that. Just like tight end signed with the Patriots. Slot receivers go to New England. People get excited 
Um, but yeah, so I think the, even at the thirty second pick, I think someone like Fant. I mean, AJ Brown. I I really like AJ Brown. Love him. Yeah, he's he's yep. a, he would be a really fun fit there. Um, so I think that we're going to be paying attention to the Patriots in terms of fantasy prospects added. But this Safarian Jenkins signing uh, is at least interesting, and I think he if if they don't end up with one of these high price titles, and even it's a slow burn position sometimes. We'll be talking about ASJ. But another team that we have talked a lot about this offseason is of course the New York Giants, and we've talked about their wide receiver position uh because they they let one uh walk out the door to uh cleveland there and uh they welcomed in another well they're showing some uh promise in in their current talent sterling shepherd inks an extension with the new york giants it's a pretty nice deal for them uh i think they added four more years to his existing deal and also gave him 41 more million dollars so Nice deal for him. Uh, he's going to keep him around long term, you would think. Of course, we know the Giants uh, didn't sign Odell Beckham to trade him, but you know, then they end up doing that. But I think this keeps Sterling Shepard al- around for the Giants. Eric, what do you think about Sterling Shepard as a player uh, overall? And also, of course, he's coming into a much bigger opportunity this year with Beckham gone. Yeah, I was <clears throat> I was a big fan of Shepard's coming out of the draft, and he had that big rookie season, at least touchdown wise. And you know, they threw to him a bunch in that playoff game. That's why. You know, the 2017 season was so disappointing, in my opinion. You know, he got kind of held back a little bit. I think he had an injury that year. But last season, you started to see kind of what he could do, and he was sort of approaching 1,000 yards. Is he ever going to be a true number one? No. They have Golden Tate. Those two guys can kind of be co-number ones. Don't forget about Evan Ingram. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a, a, a split kind of situation, and I think they're going to have to draft a receiver at a big one, probably a larger specimen at some point, may not be at six, may not be at number 17 in the draft, but I think they'll use a a day two pick or or somewhere, you know, early in round four, maybe on a receiver. So that said, I mean, Sterling Shepard, and it's funny too, we were just talking about New England. You know, he was heading into the last year of his deal. A lot of people thought they might trade him. Maybe there was some overlap with Tate as far as skill set and everything, but they clearly like him. You know, he's a yards after the catch guy. So I think he can have a, a pretty nice season, all things considered. I don't know. What do you think? I love Sterling Shepard. As, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, I was a big, big fan of him coming out of the draft. Um, and I think he's had a, a nice career so far, given the context of the offense that he's played in, obviously playing. Yep. 2A or 2B fiddle to a true number one difference maker in Odell Beckham. I think Shepard had a nice 2017 season. I think he had an even better 2018 season. I love that he can win the ball in the air as a small receiver. Um, I agree with you. Probably never going to be a true number one guy. But at this point, if he's going to get 110, 120 targets from a quarterback who is not pushing the ball downfield, I think that's ideal. Now, let me ask you this because I want to touch on the point that you made about them drafting a receiver because I think that's definitely in play between Tate and Shepard who do you think is the better fit to take more snaps outside because that they they a lot of people have said and I, I can see the point that their skill sets are kind of redundant redundant what do you think about that yeah that's going to be the, the really interesting design you know how they how they line these guys up and and who the kind of the third component will be and you know and Evan Engram too I mean he's yeah. probably more effective as a a slot guy than a true inline tight end. You know, they have Red Ellison and other guys who kind of play that role. So yeah, it's a great question. I guess I've seen Tate do it outside enough to where I think he'd probably be the, the more sure thing to do it. 
But then again, Sterling Shepard lined up at, outside at Oklahoma. I, I think they have some flexibility, and, and they're not locked into sticking one guy in the slot, one guy as the flanker, and et cetera. So, yeah, that that's going to be fun to watch to see how they line them all up. And, you know, you still have Eli Manning as your quarterback. <laughs> yeah. you know, Doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter with the Eli yeah. there, you know. Right. And Saquon obviously is going to catch a ton of balls too. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not the worst offense in the world, but it's, it certainly has its limitations. Yeah. I think that really with Eli Manning, you're working with a small square of the field anyways, because he's not going to go deep effectively and he's not going to throw outside the numbers effectively. So I think the fact that they do have three interior weapons makes a lot of sense between the two. I think both of these guys can play a little bit of flanker. I think Shepard might have more untapped potential there. I think he has been solid against press coverage, especially in college, uh, but also Mm -hmm. in the NFL a little bit, too. Whereas Tate, you're going to look to get him as much free release as possible. So I think I think Shepard could thrive a little bit as a flanker. But both these guys, I think, will take, you know, anywhere between 40 to 55 percent of their snaps in the slot. And Evan Ingram, as you as you mentioned, can can function in that role, too. Now, the the receiver option that I think they could look at, um, he's a guy is actually just watching a ton of yesterday. I think Kelvin Harmon, uh, no relation, by the way. Could be interesting there um, because I don't see him as a vertical outside receiver, but I do see him as a solid possession guy who does have a lot of good release moves at the line. And clearly the one piece, as as we're saying here, they're missing an X receiver. Now, I don't want to see them go after like Miles Boykin, who I think I really, 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 really like Miles Boykin as an X receiver who can release from the line of scrimmage. But he's a vertical guy. So get them somebody like a Kelvin Harmon who can win 50-50 balls. That's an interesting um, idea that, that you've just given me here right now in the moment. Well, and unfortunately, you kind of rubbed in the fact there probably never will be an NFL draft prospect with the last name Ed Holm, unfortunately. (laughs) So I can never make that comparison. But you're right. I mean, run slants with them, run crossers, you know, the the short and intermediate stuff. Harmon's a really good blocker in space, too. You know, he's, he's somebody who put in a lot of work as a run blocker. And, you know, when his teammates were getting the ball, he'd show effort in that regard too so i like your fit there that makes a lot of sense he's got some size got some bulk a little different shape than than what they already have on the roster better than cody latimer or any of those other guys so yeah, Cor- that makes, no Corey coleman good- revival train you've heard it here first from eric at uh, home <laughs> are you on that train no, are you no, there no no no, okay. no 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 especially not as an especially not as an ex-receiver i mean i don't think that was right. ever his fit as a prospect so yeah no to me i i, I don't think so but i mean look the more we talk about this, and I, I, I we're going to move on to running backs, I swear. We're not going to spend the 50th podcast in a row talking about what the <laughs> hell is wrong with the New York Giants. But the more we talk about it, like with Tate, Shepard, Ingram, and then potentially you know a receiver like a Kelvin Harmon, and they have made additions on the offensive line, this offense doesn't suddenly look as in dire straits as I might have thought after they traded Odell Beckham. I actually think this might be a solid landing spot for a young quarterback. But what is your what is your take, Eric, at this point? Do you th- expect them to take their quarterback of the future? Or do you expect this to be, you know, another year of making excuses for Eli and uh, shooting for nine and seven? Yeah, I think check me on this. Double check me while, while I'm, I'm, I'm blithering on here. But I think they were the highest scoring team in the in the NFC East. I mean, they they put up some points. So yeah. It was a little bit surprising at times how they how effective they could be after such a terrible start. So, you know, they, they've started rebuilding the offensive line. They got Kevin Zeitler. You know, they, I'd still like to see him get a tackle. But I, I, I do believe, listening to Dave Gettleman at the Combine, when people asked him about, hey, you've never traded up, you've never drafted that, that franchise quarterback and all that, 
I think he wants to find his guy. I mean, he sounded like a man who was compelled to do so. Now, whether they take the the quarterback at number six, whether they wait till 17 or trade up from that spot, or I don't know what approach they take, but, you know, I do think it's in the cards. The most recent mock draft, I'm sure people are going to be angry about it, but I had him passing on, on uh, Dwayne Haskins and taking Daniel Jones from Duke. Mm. And the reason being, I... <laughs> I'm connecting a few dots here, and I'm sure there's, you know, a little bit of smoke and mirrors involved, but I just don't think Haskins exactly fits what they want to do. And, you know, Jones took snaps from center. I think they want more of a quote unquote pro style quarterback, whatever that even means these days. But, you know, somebody with some experience. He's he worked with David Cutcliffe at Duke. He was, you know, he's he knows Eli. Like there's there's a real familiarity with and if they're okay with Eli in the short term then they're probably going to be fine with Daniel Jones in the long term, even if I don't think he's got that high a ceiling. So, I mean, to me, he's got some Ryan Tannehill to him. He's a big athletic guy without a great arm. And is he tough? Yes. Is he smart? Yes. Is he exciting at all? No. So that said, I just suspect that's the kind of guy that they're going to go for. Drew Locke, they've done a lot of work on too, but I don't know. He'll be there at 17. So crazy to say but you know i've got him taking jones at 17 which may be a lot you know pretty rich for a lot of people's blood i tend to agree with you uh if you people listen to last week's podcast i, yeah, I compared daniel jones to like an andy dalton type player you know yeah. I, I think that's the ceiling you're getting with him and i just much prefer to take that in the second round than the first round but uh we'll see what happens you're right they they were the highest scoring team by two points in the nfc wow. east over the philadelphia eagles 369 points for the new york giants so we'll see what happens with them but that's enough about the Giants let's get into the meat of this podcast what we're here for that's to talk about the running backs this year now let's take a 30,000 foot view here for a second of this running back class because the last several drafts we've gotten a ton of young studs at the position I mean there have been Mm -hmm. a lot of really good players added to the running back ecosystem in the NFL this class a lot of people um, are saying and I think just looking at the names, it's not as strong this year. How do you feel about this class overall? I think that's fair to say that it doesn't, it lacks that, that, you know, those big banner names. It lacks the the top 10 pick. I don't think we'll see one, you know, I would be surprised to see a back taken in the top 20. Uh, we could see a first round that has zero running backs. I mean, I, I could envision that scenario. So, you know, that's kind of what you're talking about. But I do think there is some strength in this draft, in like the round two to round four range. And there might be multiple backs in that range, whether we're talking about a big play guy like Daryl Henderson or whether we're talking about an injury guy who can finally get healthy in Rodney Anderson or a one-year starter behind Barkley at Penn State and Miles Sanders. There's plenty of intriguing players that in the right situation, you know, behind the right offensive line with the right other pieces around them, could be successful for, you know, the short term or for several years. So it's maybe not quite as bad a class as some people are making it out to be. And what I do like is that, you know, there's there's enough different types of backs, big, small receiving backs, third down guys, whatever, uh, you know, one cut and go type of runners that you should be able to find one that you like, even if you're taking them in round four. So not the sexiest group, but there's some talent here. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on my whole 
Like, <laughs> I hate this to sound like, okay, so nothing, nothing we do for the next uh, 20, 30 minutes, or whatever, on this podcast matters. But <laughs> I think that so much of the running back position, especially when we're talking about draft prospects, does come back to situation, as you mentioned. Like, yeah. there are guys, I guarantee you, Eric, this is just the nature of what we do. Uh, I guarantee you there's going to be at least two guys on this list that we talk about on this podcast right now in th- today. You know, uh, what is it? April 11th, 2019. Yep. And then we never speak of them ever again on this podcast because, look, they just get into a situation where even if we think they're talented, Eric, you might think they're talented. I might think that they have some talent, too. They get into a situation where they're buried on a depth chart. You know, it's a bad offense, whatever. And they just never get their shot. And that doesn't mean that they're not good. And you could say this about the wide receiver position, too. So so it, it goes with just beyond running back. But unfortunately, it's just such a, a situational dependent position that I think, you know, we can, we're going to sit here and talk about who we like and what fits they might have. But I think, you know, the best thing that we can do is like once they land in a spot like whoever the Chicago Bears draft in the fourth fifth round something like that we're going to be talking about that back a lot so hopefully we can kind of ahead of time identify hey this might be a play that they might look at yeah uh, you just brought up a great point I mean you know the Chicago Bears are either taking a back in round three four five whatever and this is the kind of year where I could see that player having fantasy relevance you know I don't know that they'll be the quote-unquote starter you may like Tariq Cohen better. You may think Mike Davis is the better option or whatever. And we know week to week, Matt Nagy varies his lineup. But yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be an opportunity in that specific offense where one of these guys steps in, shows right, enough right away. And on certain weeks, they're going to be viable. So yeah, it, th- there's a lot of guesswork with this group. No doubt about it. I do like the fact that there's at least some, you know, like we, we could get excited about Bryce Love. We yeah. could get excited about... Dexter Williams or Rodney Anderson or one of these guys, Justice Hill. But as you pointed out, one more injury, one poor fit, one bad, you know, match of team and player. And they they could just be total afterthoughts. Yeah. So from a non nihilistic perspective, I think you can hope to listen to this (laughs) podcast and and maybe one of these guys ends up behind a running back who because another inevitability with this position is. They get hurt a lot. And then then we're talking about, you know, a Justice Hill or one of these guys that might go on day three and suddenly they're fantasy relevant. You'd be like, oh, I remember when Eric Edholm told me that uh, this guy was going to be really good. I'm going to go pick him up on my waiver wire. And then you can go yell at Eric, uh, not me, uh, when he he, he disappoints. But one guy who's probably not going to go on day three, probably the consensus number one running back in this class is Josh Jacobs out of Alabama. Now, the concerns with this player is he's never been, you know, a guy who's got got a bunch of touches or whatever. You know, he's never he's not the Ezekiel Elliott coming back, like coming out. He's not a clear workhorse. But I really like Josh Jacobs a lot from what I've seen. Uh, Eric, what do you think about him? He is a hard running, decisive guy who I think is just starting to scratch the surface. That's the, that's the exciting thing is that, you know, when you're at Alabama and you've got, you know, three other five-star backs in the backfield and you're not asked to carry the ball 25 times a game. That means you enter the NFL with fewer than 300 touches and, and you've still been able to show your explosive ability. And, and that's to your point. Yeah. He's never proven that he can be a bell cow, but at the same time, he comes in with less wear and tear than a lot of other guys do. So I think that's an attractive quality if you look at it in the right way. So how he develops as a receiver is ultimately going to make, you know, the difference between being a good back and a great back. You know, there are plenty of plays out there. He ran uh, kind of an advanced 
route tree at Alabama. You know, he ran, I saw him run a corner route, you know, and I saw him run uh, a, a seam route that it was sort of a, you know, almost like you might run with a tight end package or something like that. So he's, he's got the ability. It's there. Um, it's just a matter of a little more consistency and whether that style is going to hold up over, you know, can he be a, a 300 touch guy for an NFL season and not get worn down? Cause you pointed out, we don't know that. So he, he's a fun player to watch on tape. He's got that aggressiveness to him and he's got enough juice. I think even if he's not a, a blistering fast back i think he's got enough juice to be the kind of guy you can crank out some 20 yard runs here and there yeah i i love his aggressiveness and his power i mean because yeah. i because he's not I and mean, he's not just a plotter too he's not a power back but he runs with a lot of physicality a lot of aggression um he kind of reminds me of frank gore in that way like yeah i, I know frank gore's been around for freaking ever so it's hard to not remember just the last few years when he was kind of plodding around with the colts when he was with the dolphins this past year um, but think back to him you know even before like the Greg Roman years of the 49ers like this was a guy who caught a lot of passes too. had that as you mentioned with Josh Jacobs ability as a receiver but still of course is like the most intense back on the planet so from a playing style perspective that's who he sort of reminds me of yeah and he just he comes from a, a real tough background he's been through hardships in life and he runs like it too i know that you know that's sort of an intangible quality that may not apply directly to fantasy football but he's got that kind of frank gore drive to him i think and the same kind of body size you know 510 210 pounds or whatever he is so yeah i mean i i, I think he absolutely fits the nfl game more teams are obviously divvying up the carries these days. So I don't necessarily think he's going to be that guy who's counting on to carry the ball, you know, 18 to 25 times a game, but he could still be effective on a per touch basis. He was very good. He, I feel like every game he did something, whether it was as a runner or receiver, he was a kick returner at one point, you know, and he showed up in big games too, you know, SC championship game, eight carries, two touchdowns. That's the kind of thing he can do with, with a limited workload. Now, I think of any back we talk about on this show, he's probably the most likely one that might be, you know, drafted rather high in fantasy, depending on his landing spot, uh, because I do think he's probably going to go in the first round. But I think he probably goes, as you mentioned, outside the top 20 picks. But, you know, looking at the back half of the first round there, Eric, there's a lot of teams that I think need a running back or at least will think that they need a running back based on how much you really want to value the position, whatever. But uh, the Texans at 23, the Raiders at 24 and 27, I could see that their backfield is if those picks hold, uh, if they don't trade up anywhere, which I mean, I could see that happening. But if they stay at those picks, I think they'll look at it, Josh Jacobs, because their backfield is probably in as worse a shape as anybody in the NFL right now. The Eagles, I know they just traded for Jordan Howard, but they might add another running back. Um, any of those teams or, or someone I didn't mention, uh, do you, do you, who do you see, kind of see him fitting with? Who could he, you know, if he lands there, he might rock it up fantasy boards. Yeah, I, I mocked Jacobs to the Raiders, not this most recent time, but the time before that. And I absolutely could see that fit. And the other teams you mentioned are great fits, too. I mean, I'm sure the Houston Texans are going to be a fit for him because of, you know, just Bill O'Brien, the whole Patriots connection. They've drafted Alabama players for years. I could see him, you know, being a, an upgrade over Lamar Miller there. Uh, you know, the Raiders would make a lot of sense and and the Houston Texans would, too. I could see either one of those fit. The Eagles, I kind of gathered that they probably aren't going running back round one, but I would love to see him in that offense. I mean, that would be a great fit if it did happen somehow. So, yeah, and and if, God forbid, Jacob slipped into the top part of round two, you know, 
maybe a team like the Colts. I know they're in good shape there with Wilkins and Mack and everybody else, Naheim Hines, but uh, I, you know what I mean? It's the kind of player that, that maybe Chris Ballard just says, he's too good. Let's get him. We'll figure out how he fits in later. But yeah, all those, all those teams make a ton of sense. Yeah. I tend to just looking at the moves that the Eagles have made trading for, you know, moderately proven good running backs that are still cheap and on their rookie deal, you know, Jay Ajayi and Jordan Howard. Um, I, I could see them really, they might be a team that has kind of said, Hey, look, we're not going to be one of these squads that's spending, you know, the top percentage of our cap at the running back position, which by the way, I think is smart. So yeah, but there's a lot of interesting spots for Jacobs. Uh, The Texans, I think is if they continue to decide that the offensive line doesn't exist and they don't, (laughs) don't pick a tackle (laughs) at 23, maybe they're a team that looks at at Jacobs. There as kind of just another layer on that offense for uh, Deshaun Watson, but let's move on. Number two on our list here that we have, and and we've just thrown a random bunch and and Eric, at any point you want to grab the wheel of this podcast, you know, I'm not the usual host just tell me a name you want to talk about, but Miles Sanders, we have on the list here too. And Sanders, of course, he's from Penn state. So we know that, uh, he's not been a long term starter because of course they just had a rather good running back (laughs) come out of that program last year who went uh, second overall pick Saquon Barkley, but Miles Sanders, I, I, tend to gather there's a lot of mixed opinions about him um had a nice combine has good size uh what have you but where do you stand on miles sanders in terms of do you like him a a lot or is he someone that you have a lot of questions about yeah i mean similar to jacobs and the fact that he's going to come in with you know fewer than 300 carries into the nfl again that's most teams at this point i think are looking at as a positive thing former five-star elite recruit coming out of high school that matters to teams because you know, maybe he's got some untapped potential here that he hasn't quite, uh, you know, shown on the college level. He had to wait his turn. But when he did, I mean, there were some games last year where he looked absolutely tremendous and very elusive, you know, has those slick cuts. If you squint when you're watching, you almost can see a little bit of Barkley. You know, he's not that big, but you almost see that kind of ability to kind of dart through and make those electric cuts. So I sometimes wish he would do a little less of that. I wish he would be a little bit more of a straight line guy at times. You know, you, you look at the big games, teams like Ohio State kind of held him in check. Michigan, good defense. They held him in check. The Kentucky game wasn't that great. You know, I wish he was a little bit more of a decisive guy, but he's got home run ability. There's no doubt about it that he has that ability to kind of glide and and, and really create darts for runs through defenses so he he's a good prospect and i think he's going to go somewhere in the top 50 or or 60 picks and you know the the more this process has gone on i think the more teams have kind of warmed up to him and, and figured out that i don't know in my best guess i would say he's a second round pick and could be a, a if not a day one starter a day one heavy contributor as a good complimentary back so i just i i like his ability i don't love it I think he's I think he's going to be a productive player, but never a special one. Yeah, he's got good footwork to me, and he's pretty good in pass protection, which you don't usually yeah. see out of college players. Now, the one thing to note with him, while he's probably not going to piss off a coach based on his pass protection, he is a fumbler. So that's something to that's kind true. of keep on your radar because we have seen we have seen fumbling uh, destroy the career paths of backs more talented than Miles Sanders. So if he ends up on a team, you know. He's probably not going to end up on the Patriots, of course. They're the, they're the classic example uh, to mention. But, uh, you know, if, if uh, some sort of team 
doesn't like that fumbling situation, and he, and he shows that early in his career. That's something to watch out for. But there's a lot of good fits out there. I mean, Tampa Bay is another one that we didn't mention uh, with Josh yep. Jacobs, but they're certainly a team that needs a two-way back uh, right now because Peyton Barber, fine, but not good enough. Ronald Jones, if you're counting on him at this point, you're crazy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, think at this, I think at this juncture, they're definitely a team that's looking for a running back. Yeah, no, I think so as well. They've done a, a ton of work on running backs in, in the pre-draft process. They're not taking, you know, Jacobs or anybody else at number five. They're probably going to go defense at that point or look to trade down or whatever. So, yeah, I think they're they're absolutely in the running back market. I, I could see somebody like Sanders or David Montgomery from Iowa State fitting for them. You know, Bruce Arians has done a good job of of finding backs in the past and and turning them into something or, or best exploiting their talents. So, I mean, look at, you know, look at David Johnson. I mean, I think Johnson came into the NFL with a little bit of a fumbling uh, question yeah. and that wasn't really an issue. Sony Michelle did too. And he went to the Patriots. They seemed to kind of fix his problem. So, you know, that's one of those things that it can be fixed. Tiki Barber way back in the day, other guys have had, you know, it may take a little while, but that's something that I don't always hold as a major negative if I feel like it's a correctable trait. I'm with you on that. Now, running back number three for us to talk about here, David Montgomery out of Iowa State. Now, poor David Montgomery because he was, you know, kind of unfairly, I think, became the I don't want to say, you know, it wasn't like taken through the coals of social media or anything like that. But remember that <laughs> ESPN graphic that went viral uh, It's a little bit crazy, but they compared him in the graphic. They said David Montgomery has the feet of Saquon Barkley, <laughs> the vision yes. of Le'Veon Bell, the strength of Ezekiel Elliott and the athletic ability of Sony Michelle. Real quick on this graphic, by the way, obviously it's outrageous to throw all that on any one player, especially a guy who's not, you know, like, I mean, he'd be the best damn running back we've ever seen at that point but what was always funny to me about that graphic was like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Sony Michelle like what, why, do we, why do we have to throw <laughs> Sony Michelle in there especially for athleticism uh, you right. know it, it was like what are we doing here poor Sony Michelle is like how did I get roped into this like I mean you already have the Saquon <laughs> Barkley there athletic like what What do we need Sony Michelle I mean he's not some freak athlete I don't know the whole graph like that part that graphic to me was wild but so poor, yeah. poor David Montgomery for that now I mean are you going to tell me right now that david montgomery is the best running back we've ever seen eric based on all those traits there or how do you actually break him down yeah what they neglected to mention was he had the charm and uh, personality of oj simpson too <laughs> you know so that was you know that's one more factor we have to uh to calculate in but uh yeah that that was that was obviously one of the funniest things that i think and i understood what they were saying right i mean some of those things are absolutely uh uh you know qualities of his that that should be uh should be exploited he made some crazy jump cuts last year. He made some just, you know, some moves that make you go, whoa, you know, he he looks to me NFL ready. I mean, he looks like, is he ever going to be that, that, that big home run hitting guy? No, I don't think so. But, you know, it may sound a little wild. He's almost like a, he's got a little Ezekiel Elliott to him in the sense that he's not a burner, mm-hmm. but he, he makes yards and, you know, he seems to kind of just slip through tackles. You know, he holds onto the football. Uh, the, the pass pro thing is, is a positive for him. And, you know, he's, he's got a great rhythm to the way he runs. He doesn't make moves unnecessarily. Yeah. Is he, does he have all those hall of fame characteristics? No, he does <laughs> not, but he is, 
he's one that I actually like better than Sanders. And I think in the right system, the right fit, you know, some of those same teams we mentioned earlier is just going to end up being a great second round pick for somebody. And who knows? He could slip to the third. I mean, his, his 40 time wasn't great. Some of his testing numbers, you know, he's a bit of a blockier guy, but still, I, I love the dude. And I think he's going to be a good running back in this league. Yeah. What you mentioned there, I mean, that actually could lead us off into a, uh, a different discussion, but uh, he was an 11th percentile spark athlete, according to three Sigma.com. So yeah, not, yeah. not a good uh, running back testing at all at the NFL scouting comment. How do you value athletic testing, not just at the running back position, but as a whole with these draft prospects? What's kind of your – I'm always very curious about this with people. What's your philosophy on the results that we get at the combine, the athletic testing from the pro day, et cetera? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's really hard to say, and it's always going to kind of matter on a case-by-case basis. If you're if you're upper 20%, if you're bottom 20%, you know, that's when I really start kind of taking notice. If you're somewhere in the middle and your tape is good and you, you know, you have sort of the prototypical size and all that, you know, I can get on board. If you're in that bottom 20%, though, then it's going to force teams to kind of go back and say, all right, was he just playing bad defenses? Is, you know, did he break off one or two, you know, long runs a game and then had a bunch of, you know, one and two and three yarders? What's the story here? How do we, how do we evaluate this guy? So, you know, what's funny is that, you know, it's never a, a parallel line or never a straight line on these things, but athleticism at running back, you know, within a certain range, it isn't kind of the end all be all thing. You know, 40 times can be a little overrated. You know, maybe the 10 yard splits a little more important. Maybe the the lateral agility stuff is a little more important. I've heard people say that the you know, kind of the jumping drills like the broad and, and uh, vertical jump um, are maybe more important in those regards, you know, just in terms of explosion and that sort of thing. So they all matter. But, uh, you know, I've kind of come around to the idea that testing numbers for running backs can be, in some yeah. cases, a little overrated. So I, it's it's hard to say. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that I value athletic testing. I think it does. It, it helps. It's a piece of the puzzle that sure. contextualizes a player. But at the running back position, We've seen so much that instincts, uh, ability, you know, vision, uh, ability to read the blocks, you know, whatever, all those sort of kind of intangible traits, those do really matter at the running back position. We, I mean, we've seen bad, quote unquote, bad testing athletes um, excel at the NFL level. I mean, look at Dalvin Cook. I don't think anybody would question his athleticism on the field, but he had an outrageously bad uh, scouting combine performance in terms of overall athleticism. So definitely something to to look out for. But I think with David Montgomery, he's just a perfect example of a type of back that on tape shows you what I really like about him is that he can run multiple different schemes. And I think this this is yep. something that really does kind of go with your Ezekiel Elliott comparison, even though that sounds like a hot take. I think it was Vince Wilfork when Zeke was a rookie said that the hardest part about preparing for Dallas is with Zeke and that offensive line, they could throw man and zone at you within the course of the same game. They could run out of shotgun. Oh, yeah. They could run out of under center. Like Zeke can do it all. And I think David Montgomery, of course, as a poor man's version, can do similar things. So I think he's a perfect player to, to kind of excel past those athleticism metrics. And again, another player that if he lands in a good spot, we're going to be talking about him. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and that's kind of, the, it's a good, you know, there, there are a few guys in this draft that I think fit that role, but I would say Montgomery and Jacobs to me are the ones that I feel like they're not scheme specific. I feel like they could, you know, you, you put them in an, in a, in an average offense 
he's going to make him an above average offense. You put him in an above average offense, he's going to take him to that next level. They're they're accelerators, you know what I mean? And they may not be the kind of guys who I think you count on to kind of carry the load or be the you know the difference maker and all that. But I think both guys in decent to to you know to to good settings uh, have a chance to, to have special seasons here and there. So I think that's right. You know, we talked Josh Jacobs off the top. He's not the only uh, Alabama running back uh, in his draft class that we're going to be talking about. Damian Harris, not to be forgotten, um, is another back coming out of Alabama this year that that I think has a really good shot to get drafted, you know, in the first four rounds, something yep. like that. Um, I, I like Damian Harris. I think he's solid. Um, I think he's solid in all phases. Sort of kind of strikes me as like a, you remember Pierre Thomas from sure. the Saints, like a guy that, you know, he was there, like when they had... Mark Ingram, and then they still had Reggie Bush. You know, uh, I think I'm getting this. It's hard to say. Maybe it was Darren Sproles at that point as the pass catcher. It's always hard to like the Saints have cycled in so many running backs. It's hard to remember. But anyways, they had their you know clear early down banger Mark Ingram early in his career. That was who he was. And then they had their clear pass catching guy, whether it was Sproles, Bush, whatever. Those guys didn't mix. You know, they were like oil and water, didn't mix into the same role. But then you had Pierre Thomas as the third back there. They could do a little bit of what Ingram did, not as well, but could do it. And then they could do a little bit of that pass catching stuff. Again, not as well, but he could do it. I think Damian Harris strikes me sort of as that type of player. What do you think? Uh, You know, Damian Harris is like the Rorschach test for for draft analysts. Because, you know, when he kind of first burst on the scene, I was like, oh, I like this guy. He's a hard runner. You know, he's smart. He's patient. You know, he he doesn't put the ball on the ground. You know, he can catch the ball if you need him to, all that stuff. This is a good running back right here. But then you see Najee Harris, and then you see Josh Jacobs. You go, oh, those guys have more juice. They're just better players, blah, blah, blah. But then you kind of come full circle, and you realize all the little things that Dame – there's a reason why he started football games at Alabama, because he was ultimately the most trustworthy guy. He was, you know, yes, he was the most senior guy in terms of, you know, how long he'd been there, but still just a little, he's reliable at everything, you know, good to very good in almost everything. Is he going to be special in any way? No, but you brought up Pierre Thomas. That's a great way to look at him. Just a, a do it all smart, heady, reliable back. He's a Texans back. I mean, that's a guy who I just sort of think, okay, they have two, they have back-to-back second round picks. I would not, I would be, Totally fine if they go tackle in round one, you know, Damian Harris and a guard in round two, whatever they want to do. I mean, that would be great. And he's just one of those guys that is hard to bring down. There's no kind of cutesy to his game. He's a fun player. He may not be special, but he's going to be good to very good, I think, in the NFL. I like it. Um, yeah, he's the perfect example of the guy who's not very flashy so that if he doesn't hit right away, it's like, well, forget it. Right, <laughs> but exactly. he might, if he lands in the right spot. He could really be a guy that we're talking about for a long time, you know, again, sort of even that Pierre Thomas role that, you know, based on who else is in the backfield with him, pops every now and again. Um, I want to talk about uh, Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. Smaller back, I think he's under 5'9", and he's under 210. Instant compare, instant comparison to uh, D'Angelo Williams, you know, another Memphis back yep. who is a little on the smaller side, very explosive. Um, I've seen people really prop up Daryl Henderson as a guy who I mean, you see some people say he could he should go in the first round just based on how explosive he is, whatever. I've seen other people suggest that, you know, he doesn't have enough nuance to his game. Daryl Henderson, where do you where do you stand on him? Is he, is he a sleeper that people should be looking out for? Well, He's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> I mean, you don't. 
you just don't see running backs averaging eight, nine yards a carry in, in the college game, even in this offense that they ran and, you know, uh, you know, a lot of wide splits and things like that and playing against some lesser competition and whatnot. But I, the juice that he has is, is something you cannot, cannot deny. I mean, he obviously has a ton of big plays. The play speed is there. You know, it's it's kind of like with with Tariq Cohen when I saw him in college and he was playing at you know North Carolina A and T. You say to yourself, "Is this really going to translate to the NFL, or is he just going to be that kind of gimmicky guy?" Well, he's carved out a role for himself, and I don't know that you know Henderson may not be as elusive as Cohen, but I'm just using it as an example of electric speed does translate to the NFL, and there's a reason why he was averaging eight nine yards a carry and has you know touchdowns and big runs and all these big plays so his you know he bounces off uh contact really well he's got a spin move they used him as a slot receiver you know he'll put his head down and finish a run kind of like Cohen again I'm not they're not direct comparisons but just in terms of like you know sometimes that does translate so he's he's another guy and I could see him fitting in a in a Bears Eagles kind of offense Chiefs where, you know, you're focused on four other guys and all of a sudden this guy rips off a draw for 17 yards and you go, whoa, okay. So he's just got that kind of, I love him as a, as a, you know, seven to 12 carry guy, three to five catch guy per game, explosive ability. Wouldn't want him being a, a, a workhorse, but boy, he's, he's got some fun feet to watch. I mean, he's, he's a good player. Yeah, I think he could be really nice as a receiver too. Yep. Yeah, as you mentioned, like I, I, I really think that he's a player that, again, lands in the right spot. I know, uh, right? but you know, <laughs> he's a, he's a player we could be talking about. You know, especially because of that explosive ability. I mean, thank God Tariq Cohen, you know, ended up ended up with a creative coach in Matt Nagy. Yeah. Didn't get drafted by that coaching staff, but uh, was drafted uh, to a, a team that ended up hiring Matt Nagy, a creative coach, to deploy. Tariq Cohen well hopefully we get Daryl Henderson um their team you know line him up in the slot a little bit too yep. you know do this do a lot with him I, I I think he's I think he's exciting I think he's explosive another guy who's pretty fast definitely a dynamic sort of uh out in space you know a lot of moves uh but definitely I think the speed is real with him is Justice Hill um now we talked earlier he's out of Oklahoma State he's under I think he's sub 200 pounds but I I I like Hill. I like I like what I've seen out of him. And he was another guy. We talked about David Montgomery that, you know, not a good uh, spark athlete. 93rd percentile, I think, for uh, – no, excuse me, 88th percentile for uh, Justice Hill, the other end of the spectrum, a very athletic back. What do you think about him? Yeah, very shifty. I mean, you know, he's – he runs hard for, for a smaller guy. I mean, I, I like that about him. Uh, you know, I don't know that, uh, you know, he's, he's ever going to be a – Again, another workhorse kind of guy. The size is, is worrisome. Sometimes he's a little too kind of out of control when he runs and all that. But great ball control, you know, has to put the ball on the ground, makes people miss, very shifty. You know, and, and I was sort of thinking as we were talking about this, you know, the Cowboys need a backup. And, mm. you know, Zeke's contract is coming up pretty soon, and they've got to figure out exactly who his number two is. I would I would love to see somebody like, a Bryce Love or a Justice Hill be the backup there where, you know, you just give them enough touches to keep them busy and to keep defense at bay, give Elliott enough rest without taking him out of the rhythm there. That's where I think he can be best. Now, some people may see a little bit more potential out of him, but I, I love him as a great change of pace runner who can 
you know, hit the gas, change directions quickly, make big plays. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a quick, quick mover out there and, and gives, gives defense something to think about, I think. Yeah, I like the suggestion of him being sort of a change of pace back. Um, I want to hit on a couple more uh, before I kind of turn it over to you for any any guys you really like that we haven't touched on. A couple of big names from big programs here. Bryce Love out of Stanford um, and Elijah Holyfield out of Georgia. Now, Bryce Love, of course, big name was a potential, you know, could have had a really great season here. Now, unfortunately, injuries were a problem. Um, even before that, wasn't necessarily having the most dynamic season of his college career. What do you, what do you think of Bryce Love? I mean, are, would you, if you were a GM, Eric, I've just given you GM yes. powers. This is you now, you know, great. After trading, after, of course, doing what good GMs do and trading your best wide receiver, which is just standard <laughs> practice nowadays. Um, <laughs> if you have a day three draft pick, are you taking the shot on Bryce Love as a risk reward proposition here? I, yeah, I am. I, he's been kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit. It's too bad. I mean, he's a smart kid. He's so he's, he's obviously brilliant by, you know, a lot of the kids we talk about and, you know, he's a kid who could go to medical school and everything. Uh, his toughness, his character, they're, they're unquestioned at this point. The health is obviously a major concern. And that's, that's something that is going to affect not only the short term, but possibly the long term as well. Cause you know, another small frame guy who's, you know, you, you worry about holding up long term, but if we're talking day three, what are you really expecting? You're, you're expecting these guys are all kind of one contract players anyway. At that point in the draft, I'd be willing to roll the dice on him. And, uh, you know, he, he's just got the explosiveness. You go back and watch the 2017 tape and, you know, go go look at the Notre Dame game early in the year and just those little bursts here and there. He can run between the tackles, he gets small and, and finds creases. And, uh, you know, I know they didn't throw the ball a lot to him, but I saw enough reps as a receiver to make me think that he could be a quality receiver. So, you know, that, that ability is, is going to be, I think if he's healthy, put to good use in some way. So, you know, I would probably, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like where I, I, I suspect fourth or fifth round. I think that's probably what we're talking about with him and, you know, Holyfield, totally different end of the spectrum, a hard running lumbering guy, kind of your Chris Carson type of running back. I love his style. You know, I know mm. that the testing numbers just crushed his stock, but terrible. Well, you talked about David <sighs> Montgomery, 11th percentile. This guy's like a second percentile spark athlete. So, uh, for you non math heads out there, which I don't know how you're playing fantasy football and you're not a math head. Cause <laughs> it, by the way, it's not a football. It's a, it's not a football game. It's actually a math game. Sorry to, to break it to you there. Right. Uh, it, it's uh, this second percentile is bad. For you non-math heads, not good. It's low. Yeah, the only thing lower is one is the first percentile. Yeah, <laughs> but right, I know, and that's too bad because I thought he'd run a little better than he did. Obviously, running in the what was it, the four sevens and the four eights and all that. And he's super strong. I mean, he's obviously a guy who's who's you know, well, Evander. You know, it's his kid, so he's, he's got toughness. We know that. Um, he had to wait his turn at Georgia behind that incredible stable of running backs. You know, he's he's just so fierce and so strong and could be he runs angry i mean he runs like a guy who wants to plow through you and that's why i see a lot of carson in him i think you know chris carson seventh round pick you know they, they obviously had to you know they, they split up his carries at oklahoma state he never was able to kind of fully show himself but you saw him just mauling people and you and 
and that's why I thought it could work in Seattle. And that's why I was one of my few good uh, fantasy investments in recent years was to take flyers on Carson before he got hurt. But yeah, I mean, that's the kind of player he is. And so if, if teams are stuck to the numbers and are just like, well, he didn't test well enough, they're missing out on a good football player. I don't know that he'll ever be special. Like, you know, Chris Carson's not going to go to the hall of fame, but is he a useful player? Absolutely. So decisive, hard runner, you know, never going to be a, a special player, I don't think. But there are going to be people out in the stands who love him and his style. And, you know, the, the scouts like him. I'll say that. I, I think the people yeah. who have been through uh, Athens have said he's he's worth taking a flyer on late. Yeah, the the crazy thing about that, like, four seven four eight time was I actually thought he ran away from people on, on yeah. film, too. So, I mean, look, that that's the thing about what we're talking about. A little caution with the combine, of course, is that, you know, sometimes guys have bad days. We all have bad days. I mean, I think both of us have crushed this podcast. Yes. But sometimes I have – sometimes I have really sh- performances on the podcast. <laughs> so it, it just – it's going to happen. But I like your analysis on Bryce Love, too, because, look, listen, these round four, five, six picks – they're fake news. Most of these guys are just going to wash out immediately. It's so true. you might you might as well swing for the fences with a guy like Bryce Love if you're not doing the smart thing and trading those picks for established veterans uh, who teams are trying to get trying to get away from. But look, Eric, before we get out of here, I'm just going to turn it over to you. Any guys you want to quickly mention um, as potential players that we haven't gotten to cover yet today that people should keep an eye on? I have died on the James Williams Hill, the Washington State running back, uh, better known as Booby. His name is nickname is Booby. We couldn't uh, go without saying that. But to me, he is. Um, oh my God! What is the, the New England uh, running back, uh, Wisconsin um, third down? James back White, for the Patriots. James White. Thank you. He's a James White clone. I couldn't think of his name a second ago, but that's the guy who he reminds me of. He's an advanced pass catcher. Caught like eighty three balls last year. Uh, go watch his touchdown against Oregon. I mean, you know, he turned a broken play into one of the best touchdowns in the college football season. I'd still like him to be a little bit more decisive as a runner. But I think in the NFL, like you think about James White and he was, you know, could he run the ball? Sure. Can you use him in that role? Absolutely. He's got a package of plays, but he's mainly that third down guy who makes people miss, doesn't have special traits, but just seems to have enough wiggle to get through. So he's one that I really like. And you know, I, I would probably say that beyond the guys, you know, we've kind of covered most of them. Tra- Travis Homer, I'm a sucker for because he can do a little bit of everything. He's a great special teams player out of Miami. He's got heart. I mean, he's, you know, I know it's easy to we'd compare every back at Miami to, to Frank Gore, but I mean, he's got like a little bit of that to him. He's never going to be that great, but I would draft Travis Homer. I think he's a good player. He's very young too. I think he's just turned 21. So there's a number of backs like that who do a lot of things pretty well. And I think he's just a little bit better than that. I mean, I think he has enough value as a receiver and a runner and a special teamer to be the kind of guy who, you know, lasts six, seven, eight years in the league as a, as a, you know, you just can't cut him because he's too valuable to your team. Is that going to be a special fantasy player? Probably not, but yeah, divine Zigbo from Nebraska has kind of caught some people's eye. You know, I, I could see why, you know, in the right system, he might be a, an attractive option. But yeah, we've we've kind of covered the guys. It's it's not a terribly deep group, but there's enough names to, to to keep an eye on. Well, hopefully, we have given you guys enough to look at. Um, Eric, thank you so much for joining me. This was a yeah. lot of fun. Uh, we covered a lot of players. It's always cool to talk 
draft prospects. I think I started the podcast a little too nihilistic about, oh, look, none of this really. <laughs> look, running backs, they don't matter, blah, 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 blah. It's all about situation. But, like, I do really like talking players, and you were great to talk about it with. You got anything you want to plug before you get out of here? You know, what should we keep, be keeping an eye on? Of course, you will be on our Yahoo Sports, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what the hell it's called, but our NFL draft show, yeah. Thursday night of the draft, uh, you will be up in Sunnyvale um, doing some analysis with Brad, um, and others up there while I will be in Nashville with Liz and Tank and everyone else. Uh, that should be a lot of fun, of course, so everybody make sure you watch that. But, Eric, what else should the people be keeping an eye on before we get, before the draft comes? Yeah, a lot of the crew will be heading to New York as well next week to tape our mock draft show. So we'll be putting that thing together. And, uh, you know, uh, Pete Thamel and Charles Robinson and uh, uh, Pat Forty and uh, Kimberly Martin and, and all the rest of the gang, the whole NFL crew there will be a part of it. And so we'll be doing that. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait to uh, to get as we get closer to the 25th here. But there's a lot going on. And uh Stay tuned to Yahoo Sports for uh, all the good best draft coverage in the NFL. Boom. Love it. So watch the mock draft show, Yahoo Sports. Check out the uh, NFL draft show, Yahoo Sports. Keep it tuned to us. We're going to have you covered again. We will be back next week with Liz Loza in tow. And we will. you guys, you guys know I am going to have a lot of takes on the wide receivers next week. So be Beautiful. prepared for Liz and I to, all right, we already, I'll give you an advanced preview. We already had a little, uh, little, little debate at, at a local watering hole. Uh, I think it was Monday night after the NCAA tournament game where we already okay. disagree on one prospect. So we're going to, Liz and I are really going to get into it next week. Make sure you tune in for that show. Um, and until then subscribe, rate, review, send us your love. Uh, and you can send us Twitter questions at Yahoo fantasy, where they will be ignored and never responded to. Uh, we are out of here. <laughs>